The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, hello. We're coming to you live from Miami Beach, Florida. We're here at the NAPTI Show, which is the National Association for Television Production Executives. And uh, we are learning and listening to all sorts of interesting conversations and panels about the future of television, um, global production, new business models, and it's a very exciting time here. And I have with us today the fabulous John Roberts, who is the Chief Digital Officer for Buna Murray. Let's have a hand, ladies and gentlemen, for the handsome, the talented, the ever-so-digitally-minded John Roberts. We also have a um, live audience today um, in the recording studio. The beach of Miami. <laughs> we have a singular, singular audience member, Lisa Diamond, who is a producer um, right now at Radical Media and working on a variety of different projects, including a fabulous new docu-series uh, by Epic, which is being produced by Norman Lear and, um, and Shana, 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 Rimes. Shonda Rhimes. So lots of interesting conversations about the television business. So, John... Tell us about what you're doing at Buna Murray and who Buna Murray is, because if you're not in the biz, you might not recognize that, that name. Yeah, a lot of times people wonder what the name is, but Buna Murray Productions is a production company that was founded by Mary Ellis Bunum and John Murray back in the uh, late 80s. And they really became uh, famous for, you know, for better or worse, creating you know, reality television back in 92 when they launched The Real World on MTV. It's a really interesting story of how that came about, because in the beginning, they had gone into pitch MTV, a, a drama about people, young kids living together in their, you know, post-college, but to cast that and, um, and put it together was a very big budget, and then they said, well, wait, what if we use real people? And that's yeah. literally how this they got came started. about, and then from there... Um, they started you know, reality television. Yes, then, kind in of, 1992, yeah. and now it's in its 31st season. Wow! And you start to think about all the spinoffs that did uh, from Real World. It was uh, Road Rules, and then The Challenge, and since then a variety of uh, big uh, reality shows like Project Runway, Keep Up with the Kardashians, and all the spinoffs. And most recently, I Am Kate, which was just nominated for a Nappy uh, Reality Breakthrough Award. So doing some really amazing things and. Um, now, I've been here about a year, um, and as head of digital media, I've been brought in, I almost like to call it, I'm, I'm here to help create um, alternative programming in many ways, because um, whereas most of our executive team is out pitching to the cable networks and broadcast networks, you know, my team and I are, are out there looking at, you know, the, our, our YouTube strategy, working with the MCNs like Dance On and Machinima, um, still getting into Hulu and Amazon and Netflix and 
um, all the different types of uh, new platforms popping up, including Go90 and Snapchat, Instagram. It's just a really interesting landscape we're in right now. Well, I want to ask you about some of those companies. Um, but before we do that, what did you do before this? Because you, I know you've had chief digital role um, roles before, chief digital officer roles at a variety of different companies. So how did that kind of evolve for you? So I've been, part of it was amazing timing, some luck, and some passion. You can follow those all. I, I was actually, um, back in the day, at uh, News Corp. And I was working at 20th Television. Um, and then right around that time, Rupert Murdoch had bought an online company called Delphi. So remember back in the day, you had AOL and Prodigy. And you, I remember those The 14 modem, <laughs> and you'd have to wait literally yeah. uh, an hour to download the picture. Yeah. Well, you know, Rupert Murdoch had bought uh, this online company, but imagine that it's um, an online service without the graphics. So it was very all text-based. And I got to meet him at one of the cable shows because I was helping, I was on the launch team of FX, working in marketing. And I was able to pitch him how FX and Delphi were going to work together. Um, I went back to LA and had no idea what I was doing, but created a business plan with the help of somebody that thought they knew what they were doing. <laughs> and I pitched the idea about creating an online group at FX. And right around that time, this IT guy came up to me. He's like, you know what you should do? You should create a mosaic page for the World Wide Web. I'm like, what the hell is a mosaic page? And what's the World Wide Web? Right, right. And this is like event 94. And he showed me. I was blown away. I got to, t I got to sh demo this to Ann Sweeney, who at the time was the president of FX. She said, this is the future. I showed her video on a computer screen. She's like, I have no idea how you're doing this. And we launched the very first website back in 94 for FX. And wow. then from there, I went and created um, Fox.com, so for Fox Entertainment, Fox Sports, and uh, Fox Kids. From there, I went to uh, Universal Studios, then um, back to Fox Family Channel when they did the joint venture between Saban and, and Murdoch for that. And then I ended up uh, working for Paul Allen, who was co-founder of Microsoft, uh, helping launch digital cable networks. Then I spent a lion's share of my career at Game Show Network, which was really a big game That's when I met you. Yeah. That's when, yeah. That was when we were really working on doing what we were calling interactive television. So you'd be right. sitting there while playing playing along while you're watching TV. Right, right. At the time, we thought we were so cutting edge because you have your desktop and your Right, right. TV really bringing those room. two screens together somehow. Yeah. There was yeah. no smartphone. There was no right. iPad. So yeah. we thought we were being really cutting edge. Um, but it was a really great experience because I think that's when our community Really, really came, came together. together. Yeah, we used to do a lot of events and meetings around everyone who was passionate about interactive television. Yep. But I always describe interactive television as like that bad relationship that you, <laughs> you keep falling in love with, you keep going out, even though all your yep. friends say, stop it, break up with him already. Yeah. <laughs> and you just keep going back because we're so excited about the potential of it. And, and that's something I think you bring to this space is you're always looking at new platforms, new business models. And I think... Genetically, you're wired that way, right? I mean, that's yeah, I, I literally remember, like, you know, my dad getting a digital watch, and at like six, five years old, I helped him fix. I would program it for him. I didn't know how. I just would play with it. I right. you were was curious. One of the first kid in my block to get an Atari. I mean, I just enjoyed what was in the future. I mean, I lived in the present, but I do truly enjoy where all this stuff goes. So, <clears throat> I think it's about living in the present, but also keeping what's you know always. I always like to say I'm about. They go, wow, you're an expert. I'm like, no, no, I'm just about five minutes ahead. Because right. anyone can, in the minute we stop, then, right. I remember when I was off Game, Game Show Network, it was one of those times, there was a big transition. Yeah. And they were paying me for, I had two years off if I didn't want to work. Oh my God. But, yeah. my, and my wife's like, you should just take the time off. I'm like, it's like dog years though. It's yeah, like every right. year I'm out, I might as well be out seven years and then I will no longer be relevant. So right, I'm right, literally right. 
didn't take any time off, and I instantly took a job working for George Lucas. Right, I remember that. And so yeah. I started commuting and headed up digital media, but that was like going to a party when there's like five minutes left. You go get a beer and just foam came out. <laughs> George was done. There were no more movies coming out. And right. The live action series that they were going to do for TV didn't come to fruition. And obviously we found out two years later mm-hmm. the reason why is they were getting ready for the sale to, to Disney. Right, right, So right. I think, it, you know, but, you know, it was a great experience. I always say I didn't regret one. Well, you've been, a, you've been around great brands and great companies. And then just recently you were at Endemol. Yes. Which is Endemol considered now a competitor to Vuna Murray or to Banerjee? Who yes, owns that's Vuna? exactly right. Because, you know, you're, we're watching this really interesting time for a lot of these companies when you're seeing these, you know, mergers and acquisitions and the way they're starting to, to roll up. In fact, I ran into a few of the guys today from Endemol. And I think that they finally, like, they have a smile on their face. Because I think they went through a lot over the last, you know, year and a half, you know, going from with Core and Endemol and Shine. And now they're finally Endemol Shine. And as they would say, they think they feel like they've got the really great staff now and everybody's kind the of right, comfortable the, with the where right, they're at. The right role. So all these small production companies have been bought up by mm-hmm. global production companies so that yeah. they form this big global company. So Una Murray got bought by Banerjee, Which, right? And Banerjee is about a dozen territories all over the world. Uh, we run autonomy, you know, a lot of freedom and autonomy, but Banerjee North America is also in uh, Los Angeles as well. But again, we... We, we operate work, independently. Yes. And I think that that's what's really interesting. Like, if you want to create keep creativity open and, and happening, you have to let that happen. One of the things when I was at Endemol, you know, we owned, you know, authentic, original, true and 51 Minds, they all ran independently, but we would do these big um, brainstorm meetings once in a while, once a year, just get everybody together. But you could still sense there was competition there, but there were all, you know, had to, you know a, a majority ownership from Endemol. Right, now, right. Watching that fold up together is another thing. It's so interesting. Yeah, and we'll see what happens right now because, you know, John Murray is, um, you know, now an official executive consultant at Una Murray, and he focused on... Um, specific shows that he's passionate about. Uh, Gil Goldshine is our CEO and president, who I report directly to, and he's been in the company for about close to nine years. Mm. That's one thing that's interesting about being Murray. A lot of people have been there like a long time. Up to 20 years. Right, because they're so passionate about the They really company. are. It's, it's a very family, um, it's got that mentality of a, just a small family-run organization, and that any idea is not a bad idea. I mean, you're, you're not, you can be very creative there and not feel like, you know, you, I almost feel like sometimes I say, I feel like we have our own little production company within a production company. Yeah, and before we, we go to break, so, Vina Murray, though, the interesting thing to me is you, you are creating content for a variety of formats. Yes. It's not just what I would turn on on my cable channel. It could be on my PC or it could be on Hulu or Netflix. You're really creating content for anything. Yeah. I mean, we have BMP Kids. We've got Latin America. We've got a uh, documentary. We've got, we just launched uh, with Al Berman's on board, who's uh, covered our, our live programming um, and, and digital. I mean, we're, we really are across the board. But so you're uh, always on the lookout yeah. for what that next thing is, yeah. right? One of the quotes on our, on our, on our wall, something Mary Alice once said, what's the story? You know, so we consider ourselves one of the most, you know, we're storytellers. I know that sounds cliche, but... We will not do a project unless there's a true story behind it. A lot of times, those stories are about people and personalities and, and what makes people different in the world. Well, that's great. I, I mean, the, to me, this is such an exciting time because it could be a two-minute format or it could be an hour format. And yeah. then 
in the U.S., it could play in five-minute increments, and then it goes abroad, and it's a DVD series. And so That's exactly right, and that's what's so interesting that you say that, because so many times growing up in all this, in this industry, it's like, you know, it's 22 minutes or it's 44 minutes. Like, those are the, those are the rules we had to work in, uh, unless you were doing films. But now it is about, like, as long as we're telling a compelling story, no one is telling us that it's got to be done in a very specific time. And, and, you know, we've done things as, as short as two to three minutes as much as uh, 11 minutes. And one of the docuseries we just did with Dance On is called Chachi's World. And those episodes all range at different times, just depending on what was... Where it's going, right. Yeah. Well, we're going to um, be back in a minute with John Roberts to talk more about some of the trends happening in the content and entertainment business and, and some of the technology trends that are driving all, a lot of this. So we'll be back soon with the Tech Cat and Mr... John Roberts. <laughs> when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan and co-host Gisela Gonzalez. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And we're back talking to the fabulous John Roberts, who I'm calling the digital officer, because John, throughout his career, has been dabbling in digital in the entertainment business, making content um, for a variety of large networks, companies, production companies. And so we just got through talking a little bit about John's current role working at Buna Murray. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think are some of the trends driving the industry right now, the TV business, because you were just saying that Buna Murray makes a variety of different formats. It can go to any part of the world. It can go on any platform. What's driving all this madness right now? You no, know, I think 
we're, we're watching is um, a changing in viewing habits. You know, a lot of times what you've heard, like, again, I was in the cable business for a long time as the digital guy. So um, now I'm watching a lot of my friends that have been in cable and or, you know, the MSOs talk about, you know, we've, we've heard about the cord cutting. You know, it's been one of those things. But the bigger concern now is the cord nevers. And these are the young demographic that's saying, I have no idea why you have cable or why you would ever even aspire to have cable or satellite. Because this next generation, especially ones out of college, what they're doing is they've got their Hulu account or their Netflix, their Amazon, and then they are going to Best Buy and they're buying a $75 digital rabbit ears Mm -hmm. so they can see about 30 different channels. Like over the air channels right now are back. back. It's almost like when we saw cable in the 80s where now you've got categories. Like you have general entertainment over there and then you've got for Urban America, you've got a network called Bounce. There's a comedy channel called Laugh, L-A-F-F. There's a uh, that you can get with just the rabbit just, ears. Just the rabbit ears. So you you plug in the rabbit ears, and then up you'll see a new network called Bounce. Yeah, that, that you, I can't get right now on right, regular cable. Right. Okay. And laugh is for comedy. Then there's grit for men. Hmm. There's escape for women. I mean, if you you can Google, just put over the air channels. There's oh, like I at love least that. Thirty to thirty five channels that are exclusive. Cozy. Um, Me Networks, um, Buzzer, which is a new game show channel. So it's kind of going back to that thing. It's ad based. I think a lot of the ways they're um, building this out right now is still acquired programming because mm-hmm. the budget's still, you know. But I think the same thing happened with cable. A lot of those cable networks weren't doing a ton of original programming until the audience was there and they started generating the revenue. So you see over the air, we're seeing what's going on with over the top, which is very complicated. So, okay, so is over the air then, um, are they, is it like a MeTV, which is on regular cable, and that they're just replaying the stuff we've already seen? In some cases. Okay. In some cases, they don't have the cable spectrum. Some okay. of them are just strictly over the air. But they're doing those deals with the terrestrial network. So what okay. happened was when everything went digital, the spectrum opened up. Right, right. And so now that clear, it's not like when you were a kid where you got to start moving the antenna to try to get you know a clear signal. It's The signal is clean and clear as, as your cable. Oh, that's it's, crazy. It's amazing, and it's scary to think about that. So when you look at the cable business, now, okay, I'm the guy that has every channel. I mean, I, I pay for my cable yeah, or satellite. Yeah, because it's your best. Because I, I, yeah, I, I you got to know, yeah. But, you know, when you realize that you don't necessarily need it and you start to look at it from a distance, it's almost kind of like the glaciers. Like, the glaciers are still there, but they're crumbling. And right. they'll be there for a while, but you're seeing that they are falling apart a little bit. And that's kind of the cable industry. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be here for a decade, but they are going to evolve. Evolve, and you're seeing that with some of these acquisitions. You're seeing what you know, Disney uh, or, or NBC Universal, which is now NBC Universal Comcast. I mean, like yeah. you're seeing how that works. Disney now owns Maker, yeah. so I think that you'll see the paradigm shifts, and you'll see that there's a ton of different platforms that didn't exist two years ago. And they may not be here two years from now. So is anyone making original content for Over the Air? Um, Some are. I think I'm starting to see some, like, uh, Kate's Broadcasting. Uh, Jonathan Kate's is the guy behind Bounce, Laugh, and um, and Escape and Grit. He does does those four channels. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we actually did an original series for Bounce. Um, oh, so you are making deals with over there. Yes. And you're, are you not getting pressured from the cable companies or anyone else to it's not another, play? It's just another buyer. They're, 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 everyone's okay about this. Yeah. It's not like... We're Switzerland. We yeah. will sell 
we will sell to anybody. You know, yeah. it comes down like you know, there's a, there's a pecking order in some ways. It's like mm-hmm. who's got the bigger budgets, right? And right. and it really depends on what's what's right for for who. You know, but we have great relationships with the uh, the broadcast and, and the cable networks. But if there's a specific show that they're not looking at, it might be. And by the way, the millennial audience might be better because a lot of those guys are going to over the air. But you're also seeing their cord cutters are finding, like, these channels are working for them. Right, right, right. I mean, I know so many of my friends who cord cut, who did cord cut, are complaining now that they can they can watch the first part of an old series in a cord cutting over the top play, but then to find the second season, they have to go to a different solution. Right. And then to find the third one, it's an even newer solution. And so by the time they've patched together and caught up on that series, they've spent more money. Yeah, because you went, yeah, yeah you probably went from your... From your Netflix account to potentially going to iTunes and actually having to either rent or buy the episode. Actually, I don't think you can rent anymore. Yeah, they, you can. They, they, they did that for a while, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, but it's gone. It wasn't lucrative. It's, yeah. It's for the, for the I liked the renting, video. too. Yeah. Because it's like in your head, you're now thinking, I bought The Sound of Music the other day because I just thought we should have this in our library. Right. Because my kid will want it someday for her kids, we you know. Cars. Right, and yeah, and I and I bought it and I made her watch it, and the whole time she was just saying, "When can we watch, you know, Monsters University?" <laughs> like she went or Tran- Hotel Transylvania too. Yeah, she's obsessed about it. Right it's now. having that in that digital library. In yes. some ways. and I think that that's what's going to end up happening. We talk about the trends, you know, if if the um, powers that be don't make this work for the consumer. The consumer will figure it out. This consumer will, will drive to it. They are savvy. And they will figure what it else out. are you seeing in consumers that you think is interesting? And as the digital guy, are you continuously alerting your company about new behaviors? Like- yeah. I actually think it's something we've talked about for a long time, and you're starting to see it come along a lot more than ever, which is the world of microtransactions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those ideas where it's like, you know, when people are talking about subscriptions, what would it take to get someone to spend you know, 50 cents to, to download a show, just one episode or a dollar or something, like something that it was more um, lucrative. But when you're looking at these in-app purchases of, of games and apps, like people that are playing Candy Crush, I see people um, all the time like, well, it's only a dollar. I mean, a martini costs $10. And I just right. said, I have that where a, a you know, I can spend money on Candy Crush and it gives me hours of entertainment. Right, I mean, right. People are looking at that idea that they can do these microtransactions, which is going to change the economics and how viewing habits are. You know, spending a little bit of money, they can rationalize. So I think that that's kind of interesting. I think um, we're looking at a lot of different um, things, but social media is, you know, however that's going to continue right. to transform. Is it's it still, such an important it, part of what we do. So do you look at it as, I was thinking about this the other day, like should we really be calling it social media anymore or is it just and, audience interaction? I mean, You what, know what? It's, a really, it's almost kind of like when you and I started, yeah. people call this... Um, we're very you young. Know, we started very young. We were 12 years old. We're kind of the Doogie <laughs> Housers of, of digital. But you know, it was really called in the beginning like online media, then it was new media, then it became digital media. Like these things change names all day long. Right, right. You know, interactive TV. Some people call it enhanced TV. But I think when we look at what what we're calling social, it's it's these things that you know, um, you know, when Kendall or Kylie Jenner or or Kim Kardashian tweet, the effect that they have is so oh my big God, and tremendous. so huge. So right. when they talk about the show, it, it's actually you can see things change. That's why they're calling like the, a lot of these YouTube stars, 
they're calling them, you know, social influencers. Right, right. they truly can influence the outcome the, of something. The, the impact of it. And in my head, why I was saying maybe we shouldn't call it the separate thing is that when she tweets, in my mind, it's still part of the show. It's yeah. not like, so now these shows aren't just this one experience. And we've always talked about it being 360. Right. But now the tweet is just as integral to the plot of whatever happened on that episode. So much so. Because it impacts, like, she just did something. And so now everyone's going to talk about it, and then there'll be responses and reactions to that. All day long. And you when know? we were looking at doing this, um, we're doing this short-form animated series uh, called Happy Wheels. And this is based on an online game that my nephew turned me on to a couple years ago. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> and it was funny, because you know, as, a, as a little kid, yeah. he was sitting on my lap, and we're playing video games and this and that, and then all of a sudden he's now the expert. And we were talking one day, I'm like, hey, uh, what game should I be playing? Yeah. He looked at me, and he literally like, rolled his eyes like, well, what are you talking about? Like, console games? Are you yeah. talking about Like, get with, are you talking, get with it. Get with it. Give me the category. Get yeah. specific. I go, how about just something on a web browser? If I'm, yeah. You know? And he's like, well, how about Happy Wheels? I'm like, never heard of it. He's like, of course you haven't. And he turned me on to it. And I'm like, this is fantastic characters in this. It's a little yeah. violent, but it's yeah. a really cool thing. I wonder yeah. what company did this. And it was one guy named Jim Bonacci who created everything from the coding to the characters. And at BMP, we got the rights and sold it to Machinima in the room. And it's going to um, debut on uh, Go90. Um, and what is Go90? You mentioned that earlier. I haven't heard of them. So Verizon Go90 is you know, Verizon's big play into digital distribution. They have made so much noise and are doing so many um, content deals with so many different players. Uh, the reason they call it Go90 is if you have your phone vertical, you go 90 degrees... That's how you should be watching your video. Oh, so that's why they call isn't it that clever? Yes. That's so clever. And, you know, the people yeah. there, they're, they're doing a bunch of different deals. We did a, um, a deal with them called, uh, we, went, we worked with Dance On. We did a mm-hmm. docuseries by a woman by the name of Chachi Gonzalez. She's a 19-year-old YouTube star, dancer. And um, we did this uh, 12 episodes of this docuseries that just kind of hit it out of the park for them. Been really and that's happy. the Chachi thing? Chachi's world. Well, Chachi's and, world. And I then, thought that was Scott Baio when you first said it. I know. I just dated it, myself. It, <laughs> and you watched that when you were one. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's but with Happy Wheels, and when we sold it to Machinima, that's also going to debut on the Undergo 90 platform. And when we were working on the production and, and casting, um, one of the notes that came from Machinima was, you know, try and get as many YouTube influencers as, as the cast. Mm. And at first we're like, well, let's, that's not a bad idea, but, you know, we got to find ones that can act as well. Yeah. Turns out, you know, some of the people we got were, like, hardcore fans of Happy Wheels. They actually created their YouTube videos Based about on- playing Happy Wheels. Oh, no kidding. So now they're the voice of the characters. So now you oh, realize all you bring it all to it. Right. The they're fans. God. And part of the interesting dynamic of this, we were talking about this on a panel yesterday, is there's two deals that work with the influencers. We were paying one of these, let's just take, you know, uh, Captain Sparkles. You know, we paid him his day rate, but then there's also the marketing rate, which is separate budget line item. So For him to do marketing stuff. Yes. Okay. And without doing and the marketing thing is, is crucial. Right. And actually more important than just the voice because right. getting him involved and right. getting him passionate about the project is going to make this show succeed. Because it's going to bring all the influencer uh, influencers. And, and fan bases. Well, we have to take a break, but when we come back, um, we're going to dig a little bit more into how someone like John, the digital officer... <laughs> keeps up with all this madness because I know we're often, even though we both live in Los Angeles, we're always in different cities. So so how does a chief digital officer keep up with all the madness? And when we come back, more with the Tech Cat and Mr. John Roberts, the digital officer, 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 officer. (laughs) 
to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And we're back. Um, John P. Roberts was making me laugh. Um, John P. Roberts reminded me that his name is okay, John P. Now Roberts. You, now you can't go over to Those of us that have common names hold on to our middle initials pretty hard. But anyway, so before we left, John and I were, John P. Roberts and I were talking about, (laughs) we're talking about um, just all the different trends that are impacting what's going on in the madness now. And so I want to understand how does someone like you with this chief digital officer role, how do you keep up with this? Like, how are you finding out about Go90 or knowing the latest formats or the latest influencers. I mean, do you sleep? I mean, how, do, how does it go down for you? Just Google. You okay. just Google. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a really interesting documentary about Google today. That's why I said that. Yeah. Um, no, you know what it is? It's honestly, it's, I know, I know I see you out all day long. Yeah. I mean, it is going out there. It's, it's meeting with the different agents. Um, all the agents out there now have their own digital people, and they're all, you know, those are common meetings to find out, you know, who they're repping and what are the latest, greatest things. It's going to these different trade shows like Nappy or CES, and it's having that circle of people where I find that, you know, all ships rise with the tide. We, have a, we were talking earlier that we have a small circle of people, yes, yeah. and I think that we tend to do a lot of information sharing as, as yes. a group like that yeah, because we want each other to be in the loop on these things because... Um, you know, Mike, I don't look at, you know, we talk about, you know, is Endemol competition, you know, sure, but so is Magical Elves and so is, you know, Electus and all these other companies, but, you know. But who are your they, best friends? But they, your best friends are running all those companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like their success is my success because then we can spotlight and point to, look, they did it and we right. can continue to do that. Right. So Examples. I think that we do a lot of sharing like that. And then there's a lot of great trade publications out there that are talking about, you know, what they feature, you know, Synopsis Digital and there's Video Inc. And there's, you know, just a, a, such a slew of these these things that give you this, these, this information. 
And I'll say that there's that younger demographic. Again, we talked about my nephew turning me on to a game. You know, it's about yeah. listening to that younger audience and just paying attention. And um, I find myself, do, do I sleep? Not much. I mean, I really do do a lot of research yeah. late at night because I want to be in the loop on certain things. I actually enjoy that research. You I know, do too. That, that part of it. So were you, I know you were at the Consumer Electronics Show. However, because I was sequestered giving tours and <laughs> so busy myself, I didn't see you. But what, what did you see at CES that you think will have tremendous impact technology-wise on, on how we're consuming media? The three, the three things that really popped out at me, obviously, were, again, there was drones everywhere yeah. as well as the VR and augmented reality. And, you know, this reminds me of a few years ago when, like, everybody was talking about 3D and it turned out that 3D still, it's an important thing, but it was, I, I want to say it was more gimmicky than that. And my initial gut last year was that VR was going to be kind of gimmicky. But my opinion of that is changing mm -hmm. because I'm starting to see people do some really innovative storytelling right, through right. VR. Right. And, you know, our mutual friend, Brian Seth Hurst, yeah. who's a big advocate of that, has turned me on to a lot of these different uh, things that I think Story are really Storytellers that are playing with VR. And, and being smart about it. So, yeah. And it's almost like, what, so instead of just putting on these goggles and saying, oh, wow, look up and look down and this and that, you're starting to say, like, there's there's a story here and people are showing it. And it's something, as, as Brian likes to say, is like this experience transfer. Right. And that you're and that's Nicholas, Nicholas Woodman said from, it. From yeah. GoPro. Yeah, from that's GoPro. Right. Yeah. He quotes him a lot. Yeah. And I think that what was interesting is uh, recently, I went on a tour of this, and they showed you this this demo about a, a walk on Mars. Yeah, to the point where it was it so was real, insane, like right, so right, real, right. And then um, putting on the goggles, and the guys looked down, and it turned out it was on a glass floor. And I literally jumped, and it was right. these moments where you start to think about how can storytellers take advantage of this type of technology of what of what your cognitive physical self right. could experience uh, along with great yeah. storytelling, and you have to also figure out in VR where you physically are, mm -hmm. where the camera is, because that's so, which you never had to think about before. That's right. So. There was some great, uh, a great panel yesterday that was talking just about that, about the line, and that there are ways that you won't get the, what they're calling that VR motion sickness. Right. Because right. I remember one time I was actually tethered and, and had the goggles on, so I could actually walk. At one point, I actually walked over to what I thought was a couch, and I almost sat down on it. And mm -hmm. the guy grabbed me and said, there's no couch there. Okay, what and was it? I literally it? Fall, fell into that moment. Right, right. And then, I mean, I remember taking this gear off, and the rest of the day, completely being off. Like, having, like, this dizziness. Right, because it impacted you. Right, and, and that's going to get better as, as, absolutely. The, as the tech also becomes more consumer-friendly and, right. and everything like that. What, what You said there were three things. So, drones. How are yeah. drones really going to affect things. Well, I think, think that they affect it from a perspective of like being able to shoot in ways that you couldn't go before and the, and the access and the way things are going on. You know, I used to think, okay, I got one really early on and it was just funny. But now all of a sudden, the way that it can literally like, it, the, the technology I was seeing was like, they can't even crash themselves anymore. Mm. And now you can put a camera that's HD and it's going to follow you wherever you go. Right. So it's giving you an, it's giving you uh, access and angles and, and ways of telling stories. And they're cheap now. They're cheaper now, right? Absolutely. So, so it's in some ways, it's kind of what, how the, the effect that GoPro had. Add that to a drone technology, and now it gets even more interesting. And then add that to VR, right? Because right? now some people are managing their GoPros yep. inside of goggles. And yeah. So crazy. I think the initial, the low-hanging fruit for some of this stuff is obviously gaming. Mm -hmm. you know, one, of the, one of the demos I thought that was really interesting was these guys wearing the gear and they're on the circular treadmill, which allowed them to go in any direction they want. And they're holding onto their weapon and they're running down a hallway 
Right, And it right. was truly like as close to a holodeck room that you could be in. Right, right, right. And you start to see that yeah. early on. We so saw start, a lot of the swings and the yep. hookups and the things that you're flying. I mean, that's going to be, I mean, yeah. kids are going to be leaving their room, but it's yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting way of, uh, of doing that. And I think as it gets less cumbersome. Yeah. And you start bundling this gear into the game console as it, as it goes. I think that's, that's the early. And the is that going. stuff that. Buna Murray is going to be looking at too, is what to do with all this stuff? What I will say is we will look at anything. I mean, again, it, it's like we're looking at um, several other animated series, which has never really been in our in our wheelhouse, yeah, except yeah. there's some great opportunities of storytelling in there. And because Buna Murray is very uh, storytelling, storytelling yeah. they're like, hey, if you can if you can develop it and you can get it out there and you can find somewhere, somewhere to distribute it, They'll be behind it 100%. Oh, that's so, so interesting. And then was there a third thing? So VR? Drone? And we talked a little bit about augmented reality. Oh, which AR, you could yeah. say is completely, you know, have a, as a relation to VR. Yeah. But that's another thing where you don't necessarily need the goggles to do something like that. Well, I think AR is an easy win yeah. right now, if done right, because it was so gimmicky a couple of years ago. 100%. But now it can really pay off yeah. in really interesting ways. What about what's going on in the car? Are entertainment companies thinking about the car seriously now that eventually it'll be autonomous or there'll be all these ride-sharing solutions and things like that where you're not the one driving? Are you guys thinking Listen, at all about screen in the car? I mean, as you and I are talking about it, I mean, are you making me think about it? Right now? I mean, it's, just, it's just a collaboration. You're hearing it here, folks. Everything that gets said here, you have to pay for. Damn it. Um, but I, no, I mean, look at this. That's, that's some great ideas yeah, there. Yeah. I, mean, I can see where there's a, there's a reality show there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's funny when you think about some of the stuff that we look at in movies that becomes realistic. I mean, yeah. the first time I saw the idea of an autonomous car was your initial. Um, that Mars movie that um, what was the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger um, oh right Total Recall right right and totally, the yeah, Johnny yeah. Cap yeah, they yeah. were literally just getting on there with this robotic cap right. and, and like this just, now exists right and he would just say goofy things like are you enjoying your day yeah you know, things are and I sometimes think like you know I have a four year old and I don't know if he'll actually drive I think right, that right. if you look at the rate it's we're really, going at it's a really really good point so the, the test loop guy who we actually interviewed um, on the show really nice guy um, he talked about how He's seeing in LA a transformation that already two car families are going down to one car yep. just because of Uber. Yeah, I you almost know? gave up my car because I had a one mile commute to Endemol. Now I'm in Van Nuys; it's a little bit longer. But you know, with a with a four year old, we have a car seat. We take my if, if I'm home, we usually take my wife's car. Mm -hmm. And other than that, you're starting to see this ride sharing. I mean, if my wife were going to go out and have one glass of wine, we're going to Uber. Right, it's, it's, and it's and effective. I I have taken to taking Ubers for evening events because yeah. I'm just too tired to drive. And I don't feel like parking. And I don't feel like dealing with any of it. So at night now, I leave the car and I go Uber. Yep. I mean, it messes with everyone who thinks you're you might still be home. Right, <laughs> but, but at but, the same token, too, though, when you start to look at the investments, yes. some of these car companies are making yep. into now, and they're starting to buy ride sharing. Yes. you start to realize, like, okay, you got an autonomous car. You own a ride share. You own the lion's share of a ride sharing company. Yeah. You see where they're thinking. Oh yeah, and the fact that these superchargers from Tesla are being thrown up everywhere—it's—it's yep. it's sort of you, you start to see what our world will look like in two years. Yeah. I know. I mean, I just finally owned my car. I just paid my last payment, and normally around now I would start looking at a new car. But I'm like, why? Yeah. Maybe in six months, you know, I won't need anything. What about um, what was going on over at TechWest, which was the Internet of Things and the connected home and a lot of the artificial intelligence stuff? Did you have a chance to? Yeah, I thought the TechWest stuff, I mean, even at the Sony booth had some, some home of the future type yeah. thing where it was funny to see um, as much as they were promoting their TVs, they were also promoting their 
projection on the wall yeah. technology, which was like, wait a minute, that's actually a very nice way of having just a screen that's kind of hidden away yeah. and putting it up on the wall and being able for to me, control that. For me, that is game changing. There was one company called Beam, uh, and Beam is a light bulb, mm-hmm. but it's a smart projector. Right. And then you can send anything to it. Yeah. So if you just have a room of lights, you can just make anything a screen. Yeah. And then we start to really move away from the television set. Yeah, and, you know? and, the smart, and you turned me on to something a year ago that Get I out. own and I love, <laughs> which is Alexa. Yes, yes. You know, the Amazon Echo. Yeah. And... That's like I made those, you buy it, right? You did. Didn't I say you and, have and to? And I get literally this? bought it in the room. Yeah, and, and it showed up a couple of days later. And yeah, and never. And obviously, the biggest part of it is like you know, it's dangerous with a four-year-old. Yeah, you, you sit there, you, you hear Alexa, Alexa. I mean, yeah, he won't Sadie stop does Screaming it. at yeah, Alexa. Yeah, Sadie does the same thing. She'll she'll shut off like Joni Mitchell and Neil Young for My Little Pony all yeah, the time. For the, the Gummy Bear <laughs> song, and he's yeah. still playing Frosty the Snowman still yes. even after Christmas. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny, and he has this very interesting relationship with Alexa. Yeah. But you look at that, and what people sometimes don't realize is like you know what's the traffic like to work today, or what's you know the question. All the things. There's so much yeah. more to it, right. That people forget. And, and it's more. And than I, the music. I think entertainment companies should be looking at Alexa as a future discovery. Yep. Because I should be able to walk up to Alexa and say, "Play me." reality show with Kate. Yeah. You know, I forget the name of the Kate show. I am Kate. Right, I am Kate. But imagine now yeah. when Alexa has a little projection screen that goes yes. into the wall. Yeah, and then and it just and then it just plays it. TV. Yeah. And cuz at the Copenhagen Television Festival, I did a little keynote and I remember my favorite question which was kind of in the beginning which helped me set the tone for the whole thing was um, is television dead? And I said, "Let me ask you a question. Um, define TV." Right. And right. I said, "To right. me, television is a device." that enables me to watch content. So the other question should be, is content dead? No, huh. it's alive and well. And while some people might say content is king, I always say every king needs its queen, and that's distribution. And distribution is exploding. so exploding all right, that it's right. going to be an amazing trip for all of us. Wow, and that's a great note to end, uh, to end this moment on. And we'll be back again with John P. Roberts to get a little bit more into when he does sleep, what is he dreaming about <laughs> when we come back on the Tech Cat Show. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology StoryTech, a boutique agency empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message engage your customers and raise the bottom line how do you track and exploit the trends how do you stay ahead of industry disruption and how do you maximize profit from content from strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? 
Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And we're back with the fabulous John P. Roberts, the Chief Digital Officer for Buna Murray. Change my title after this. <laughs> the Digital Guy, Mr. Digital Rama. Um, and uh, we were just talking about the trends at the Consumer Electronics Show and what he thinks will really be interesting and impact our, our world. So I'm wondering, did you buy any new tech coming out of, of uh, CS? Anything I, I in your tend house? to wait a little bit. I mean, I still even waited on the, on the uh, Alexa. iWatch. And yeah. all oh, that on stuff. the watch. Okay. I mean, yeah. the Alexa, you know, you had me completely um, intrigued. So yeah. I, went, I went for that. And I've already keep hearing improvements on that one yeah. as, as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I do think that the whole idea of like, you know, this, this artificial intelligence. Like, there, yeah. I've got, you know, a guy who used to work for me who's literally creating his own company based on this. And mm. I think that comes down to a lot of the different, whether it's the smart car or the smart fridge or whatever the smart thing is. Something smart. How that starts to combine, you know, there's this whole idea of entertainment and the algorithms and someone, you know, a guy I was talking about that does this VR thing, this demo I, had, I saw, I had the goggles on. And then he's, there's, in this giant, vast landscape, there was like a, a statue that allowed me to walk up to it. But I was, so I was tethered, and I moved close to it, and I stopped before I got to it. As soon as I got there, it kind of opened its eyes. He goes, and then the guy said, get a little closer. And the closer I got, this started smiling at me. And it, it, it was just, it had a reaction, it would look at me, and then I took so it off. So it responded to you. It responded to okay. me, but that was it. And I took it off, he goes, so he goes, so why didn't you ever try to walk through it? I'm like, I never to because it was literally right there. in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And I said it was interesting to see the reactions because one thing is we are learning to teach this this AI. Yes, Skynet, yeah. Right, it's yeah. Kind of, but the thing is right now the highest bar we have is like the Siri or the Alexa where right. it's all right. based on right. already it's, there's not this, it's not teaching itself yet. Right. Like people think it's like a year away or five years away. It's like it's, it's a much longer than right. that. Right. A lot of things need to happen. Right. But the fact is, you start to impose that stuff, you're starting to create a new, a new habit. Yeah. And, and that's how people are going to react to some of these things. I find it incredibly interesting. I'd like to do a show just based on that. On voice activation. Just what that stuff looks like. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, too. That was the thing that I was the most blown away by at CES, was the, the role that AI is, is, is going to play in our world. From an entertainment perspective, do you think that content creators are starting to think about... AI, voice activation, biofeedback, all of these new sensors, things for discovery purposes? Yeah, I think some are. I mean, I think yeah. it depends on, 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 the, on the storyteller. I think there's people out there that are thinking that way. Um, you know, it, it's so many different types of storytellers that I, I'm, I'm watching right now. You know, it's, it's, you've got that, that YouTuber, yeah. which just started out literally just staring at their, at their webcam, and then all of a sudden they're becoming a it's little It's an art form, yeah. It is an art form. Yeah. And what was interesting was, well, again, YouTube Spaces has helped change that as well by giving them an area to, 
to learn, right. connect, and create. So and that's you, YouTube's, studio. YouTube studios throughout the world now. Yeah, there's that to LA, it's Toronto, it's New York, it's Paris, it's uh, Germany, London, etc., um, India. And what's happening is you're starting to see this new type of content coming out. It's still from their gut and from what they're doing, but they're starting to get a little bit more narrative. Right, right. And you're starting to see a next generation of like with technology. Like one of my favorite stories is there's this little this filmmaker named uh, Raphael Rogers, and he did this short film called Beyond. And the story behind it was that he had borrowed a thousand dollars from his dad and his um, and the Canon I think it was a 5D, and he did all the special effects. He had one actress. He did he did all the sound, the cinematography. Mm-hmm. He did every single thing on this film, and it's an eight minute short that literally looks like it was a six figure production. Wow, and he got the attention of lots of other filmmakers mm-hmm. and sci-fi offered him a deal on the spot to do a, se- a te- television series wow. just based on something he did on his own time. Right, right. And you start to realize, like, you know, in college, you know, we had very basic equipment. You know, you didn't have these HD right. iPhones. Or, you were or, slapping or the, separate, 100%. The, the separate deck and, yeah. you know, everything was crazy. And, and now your, your, air, your Airbook, uh, you know, you, you've got your own editing equipment on your yeah. computer and you've got all the technology to truly be a high quality. If you have a good story, now you have the means to, to shoot tell it. that yeah. story and show that story. Whereas, like, you're no longer seeing people just come in with a piece of paper synopsis. They're right. able to really give a flavor of what that looks like. So I think for the storyteller, it's more lucrative than ever to be in this thing because no one's stopping you except you. So uh, are you seeing talent then coming from, you know, again, your intern to that highly seasoned Ridley Scott? Absolutely. You know, and are, sure. are, are you finding that, are you guys receptive, truly receptive to when an intern raises their hand and says, I have an idea? Absolutely. In fact, you know, some of those ideas come from the, the assistant because they're more in the trenches than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I remember I actually had an assistant that showed me uh, Gangnam Style. Like, it was when it had 5,000 views. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it turned out to be, you know, a billion plus. Right, so you but get... So they, they have their eye on the yeah. pulse, their finger on the pulse. So you're like, basically, from your nephew to your assistant, you are, in many ways, an anthropologist. Yes. Because you, you're studying everybody and... And everything. I never turned on a meeting. That right. is one of the things that, no matter what... Well, that's good. We just had one, meeting. so now I know yes. why you took that meeting. <laughs> By the way, I found some gold there. Right, I mean, right, right. Because, you know, look at... And if somebody... There's no such thing as a bad idea. Sometimes yeah. there's an idea that just doesn't work for what I'm doing or what our, our production company is Right, like. right. Um, you know, there's there's so many great ideas that we'll never see the light of day just based on, on right. timing or, or how it works. And there's been some things that get out there and you're like, how did the hell did that ever get made? Yeah, I just, I do worry about discovery and how people will find their content. I was talking to one guy last night who has a show um, on a cable network, but then it's syndicated all over the country Sometimes the syndications on ABC, on NBC, on CBS, and he's struggling with how to hold the brand together. Mm-hmm. So he's using social hashtags just so people can find the shows in the right regions. But how do we solve for that? You know? It's funny because when I was at Lucasfilm, there was like they were very um, strategic. There's like a lot of MBAs got together a lot of times, and I remember I got invited into this group to talk about long-term strategic planning, and they would do these like crazy grids that were like you know across. And they were, were they talk all bearded? About, no, they should have been. <laughs> and smoking pipes. Yeah. Um, they, they were like, literally talk, we talk about extreme situations. So what if this world we live in is one extreme and this is the other extreme and then we put something else? And part of it was like talking about content. Mm-hmm. That there's so much content that if there's too much or there's too little, 
or if it's this or that, people started talking about like even like the idea of localized content that you're going to go back to like, remember like there used to be this uh, syndicated show that was like based just in like, I lived in Rochester, New York. Yeah. And there was a show at night that talked about inside Rochester. Like what news, what it has become sort of and could be or yes. whatever. Yeah. And yeah. That, you know, maybe you'll start to see more localized programming. Right. Because right. there is so much that how do you take it and create that smaller audience right. that maybe you don't need to reach the masses because right. it's just. And I would actually like that. I mean, when you're like, we were talking about this before when you're like a working mom and you're trying to find the best place to take your kid or the best shopping market or the best this or the best that I'm relying on these localized newsletters Mm -hmm. or on other moms or just on old school bulletin boards online. Still, I would love a show that just said, okay, if you're looking for some fun things to do this weekend in Sherman Oaks, this is what you should be doing. You know, we live in a very, overwhelming world right now yes there are people that say hey have you seen this yet there's so much binge viewing i need to do yeah that you know i finally got through just last year i was able to watch breaking bad right right. i still haven't seen mad men i still haven't seen um the wire or uh game of thrones like there's so many people are are you crazy i mean also have you seen right you and you do have a wife and a son and you know and you you seem healthy (laughs) as well but you start to think about this though from a perspective is then as content creators, yeah. as storytellers ourselves, then thinking about that, how do you make relevant content that you know is going to find that? So I think that we look at a lot of times at those niche audiences and try to give them content that is really ready for them and that they can consume quickly. Really and, go down, and, and right down the line. What where um, we have to wrap up soon, but where sure. are you speaking next? Where where can we find you? I think the next thing is I'm helping, um, I'm on the advisory board for Connect uh, LA, which is actually a precursor to BAMF, right, which right. I'll be doing some stuff there. So I'm putting a, uh, a panel together about just, you know, uh, the, the new world that we're living in and what's the, who, are the, who are the buyers, who are the sellers, what does the business model look great. like in the economics. Great, great. Uh, I might moderate that, and then I'll be doing a panel at, at BAMF. And tell everybody about Banff. That's a, that's Banff a is one. actually really interesting. So this used to be like it's a big Banff media festival about an hour outside of Calgary, one of the most beautiful cities you can ever visit in Canada. Um, and what kind of started out is really kind of a Canadian version of Nappy in some ways. Yeah, has really turned out to be they're they're they've really opened up the the invite list to getting you know, a lot of people from the U.S. So from a digital perspective, it's really gotten big. First year I I went. I was literally sitting at dinner with a Canadian banking production <laughs> thing. Like, Good to meet you, eh? Um, whereas last year I said, you know, I'm going to try to find some of my digital friends and put together a, a dinner for eight, and like 40 people showed up. Right, so it's so really... It's really turning so that, into so another go-to one. for a big... It, it's great networking, it's great uh, collaborations, and, and a lot of business. And deal, deals are getting made. And what about um, on Twitter? Are you a big tweeter? I'm getting better at it. I, mean, yeah. I, I try to focus John on... John P. Roberts? JPR333. JPR333. That's my Twitter. Okay. It's also I'm and, on Facebook. And we can find uh, stuff on Buna Murray at Buna Murray? Buna-Murray.com tells all about our slate and uh, a lot of information there as oh, well. Oh, my God. So exciting. We have to wrap up with the fabulous John P. Roberts, Chief Digital Officer for Buna Murray, the digital officer, as I often think about him, one of the most <laughs> connected guys in town who knows everything about everything. So we will see you all next week and join us again on the Tech Cat Show. And special thanks to John P. Roberts. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 